Good evening. Merry Christmas. Thanks for joining us here at Prairie View Christian Church. Over the past three Sundays, we've been reading the Christmas story in the Gospels of Matthew and Luke. And one of the interesting features we've noticed, a trend that has popped up time and time and time again, is the presence of angels. An angel appeared to Zechariah, announcing that his barren wife, Elizabeth, would conceive a son named John. An angel appeared to the Virgin Mary, announcing that she, too, would conceive a child, Jesus, the Son of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And an angel appeared to Joseph, confirming that Mary's hard-to-believe story really was true, and commanding him to take Mary as his wife and Jesus as his son. But there's one more time that an angel pops up in the Christmas story that we haven't read about yet. It's the moment we've been talking about for three weeks. The moment that Christmas is really all about. It's the moment of Jesus' birth. The story begins in Luke chapter 2, verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. Bethlehem was a small rural town just outside of Jerusalem. It probably wasn't anything to write home about. Bethlehem's only real claim to fame was that it was David's birthplace. Maybe the mayor had a sign installed at the city limits. Welcome to Bethlehem, hometown of King David of Israel. And maybe the Judean basketball champs of 15 B.C. But the truth is, in the verses we just read, there doesn't appear to be anything at all that unique happening. A young expecting couple comes to town because Caesar forced their hand. She gives birth, as was expected. The city is crowded, so they have to stay in a room typically used for animals. And the baby is laid in a feeding trough, thriftily repurposed as a crib. To the untrained eye, there doesn't appear to be anything revolutionary happening here. But then right on cue, as we've seen so much in the Christmas story, here come the angels. Verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So the angel's presence makes it clear that something important, 
Something of timeless, cosmic, eternal significance has happened on this night in this sleepy town. A new king has been born in Bethlehem. But this king would be better than that other king from Bethlehem. The angel gives this baby titles that David never got. Titles like Savior, Christ, the Lord. Zach read Micah chapter 5 just a few moments ago. In that chapter, which was written long after David was gone, there was a prophecy that someday another king would be born in Bethlehem. And this king would be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Well, it seems that this prophecy has been fulfilled. It seems that Jesus is this new king. Verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. So these shepherds immediately head into town to see if what they've heard really is true. And when they see that baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger, nothing all that impressive when you first look at it, they see that the angel sign is confirmed. And they can't help but share what they've seen and heard. They tell Mary and Joseph about it, and others hear about it as well. There's a sense of wonder, a sense of awe, a sense of mystery in the air concerning this baby. But not even Mary, the baby's own mother, can really grasp what the future holds for Jesus. She ponders it all in her heart. Meanwhile, the shepherds go back to their flocks in the same fields where David may have once walked when he was a shepherd. Like Mary, they don't know all the specifics about who Jesus is and what he will do. And how he will do it. But they know enough to worship. The shepherds go back to normal life. And though we never read anything else about them in the rest of the New Testament. We can assume that they probably were not the same. They stood in the presence of the king. Now it's all a pretty charming story. Isn't it? Fit for a Hallmark card. A royal baby born through a miraculous chain of events with angels singing of all the wonderful things this new king will accomplish. And the manger and the shepherds really add a nice dash of rustic farmhouse chic to the atmosphere. But what makes Jesus' arrival truly significant isn't just his birth in Bethlehem that we just read. It's what he would do some 30 years later, about five miles down the road in Jerusalem. It's how Jesus would fulfill these titles, Savior, Christ, the Lord, that really makes his arrival good news of great joy for all the people. So how exactly will this baby live up to these monumental expectations? How will Jesus become Savior, 
Christ the Lord. Well, Jesus will be the Savior by doing the exact opposite of what that other king from Bethlehem did before him. David was once on top of the world, but his decline as king can be traced back to one main event. David committed adultery with a woman named Bathsheba. And when Bathsheba conceived a child, David tried to make it look like the baby belonged to her husband. But when that plan failed, David had Bathsheba's husband killed in battle to cover up his sin. King David had someone else killed for his sin. But Jesus has no sin of his own. And Jesus becomes the Savior by giving his life for the sins of others. Well, how will Jesus be the Christ? The core meaning of the word Christ is an anointed one. And you know, David was an anointed one too. He was anointed by Samuel right there in Bethlehem. So what makes this Jesus so different? Well, while David led God's people into temporary worldly peace and security, Jesus will lead God's people into eternal peace and security. And how will Jesus be the Lord? Well, David was a mere man. But Jesus is both fully God and fully man. Jesus is the fullness of God in human flesh. Something David, no other king in history, could ever claim. Lord was a relatively common title in the ancient world. It was often used as a sign of respect, the same way we use the word sir. But in Acts chapter 2, Jesus says that Jesus' divinity is seen in the fact that as great as David was, David is dead. But Jesus isn't. Jesus is alive. Jesus is not just a Lord. He is the Lord. But you know, the truth is, the story of Jesus' birth goes back much further than the time of David. It goes back much further than just Bethlehem. This is a story that goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Ancient days, as Micah put it, when sin entered the world. Adam and Eve were called to rule over God's creation. In a way, they were the first king and queen in our world. But after Adam and Eve committed their sin, they were banished from the Garden. They were cast out of God's presence. Angels were appointed to guard the entrance to the Garden of Eden making sure they didn't get back in. But before Adam and Eve went, God gave them a small glimmer of hope. In Genesis 3.15, God cursed the serpent who led Adam and Eve astray and promised that one day a son would be born of Eve, an offspring of the woman, and that son would strike the serpent. So when the angels announced that a new king has been born in Bethlehem, A king whose arrival is good news of great joy for all the people. They aren't just talking about the problem of David's empty throne. This new king has come to address the problem of mankind's sin that separates us from his holy presence. He's the one sent to address the problem of sin unleashed by the serpent in the Garden of Eden that has corrupted and haunted the entire world ever since. It's good news that a new and better David has arrived. But it's also good news that a new and better Adam has arrived. 
A man who will not fall into sin the way Adam did and you and I do. A man who will perfectly obey God the Father. A man who will offer himself up as the one-time sufficient sacrifice for your sins, for my sins. A man who will rise from the dead. A man who will once again grant us access into God's presence. Angels are the ones guarding the entrance into God's presence in the Garden of Eden. But angels are also the ones announcing that God has finally sent the king who will graciously grant mankind access into God's presence once again. So the Christmas story is good news of great joy for all the people way back then in a small town outside of Jerusalem. But it's still good news of great joy for all the people right now, partly because the story still isn't over. The angels have appeared once already, announcing Jesus' arrival a long time ago. The angels appeared again, announcing Jesus' resurrection. But we're still waiting with hope and expectation for the day the angels will appear again When Jesus returns that time, it won't be in a manger in Bethlehem and it won't be as a baby. It will be as eternal king, ruler and judge in the clouds of heaven. That day will be one of good news of great joy for all who have believed in him. That will be the day when the dead are raised, when sin, death and Satan are defeated once and for all. The day when God's kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven. The day when peace on earth and goodwill to men won't just be a temporary fleeting holiday sentiment, but will be eternal. That will be the day when we will once again stand in God's presence like we did in the Garden of Eden. In fact, even better than the Garden of Eden. And who's invited to this day? All who believe. As Paul says in Romans 10, verse 13, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Tax collectors, drunkards, prostitutes, fishermen, religious leaders, centurions, Jews and Gentiles all turn to Jesus at one point or another in the Gospels. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord, then and now, in the Bible and in this room, No matter who you are, what you've done, what sins you've committed, what skeletons you have in your closet. All who believe and call on his name will be saved. This good news of great joy is for all who believe it. So you've now read about the angel's announcement of Jesus' birth. You can knock that off your Christmas Eve to-do list. But a bigger question is, are you ready for that day when the angels will appear once again? Do you believe that Jesus is the Savior, the Christ, the Lord, the way the angels proclaim him to be? Do you believe he's the man better than Adam, better than David, and better than you and me? Are you confident that by faith in him, your sins are covered by his broken body and shed blood? Have you accepted this good news of great joy that is for all the people? Because when the angels announce Christ's arrival once again... It will be in the context of judgment. For those who believe it will be a joyous occasion, better than Christmas morning. But for those who don't, it will be a day of dread, 
So this isn't just a charming story about something that happened a long time ago in a place far, far away. It's a story that is yet to be completed. A story of eternal consequences. A story that revolves around Jesus, the better Adam, the better David, the one true king who has come and will come again. We look back to the manger and look back to the cross. But we also look ahead to the sky when the angels once again will announce good news of great joy. When the Savior, the Christ, the Lord brings peace on earth and goodwill to men. God's light has pierced the dark and fallen world once. And God's light will pierce this dark and fallen world one day again. The king has come, and that is good news of great joy. And the king is coming again. And that is good news of great joy as well for all who believe. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this night. This night that we look back and remember our king's entrance into our world. The night that prophecies from so long ago, prophecies that seem a little vague and a little masked and a little confusing and a little uncertain, a night that prophecies were fulfilled, a night when promises were kept, a night when hope was born, a night when light pierced the darkness, a night where a king was once again born in Bethlehem. But this king is far better than any other king before him. Far better than any other king who would come after him. He is the eternal son of God, born in the flesh, to redeem sinners like us. Father, thank you that Christ came. Thank you that he humbled himself. That he left the glories of heaven, the glories of being by your side, to put on flesh. To submit himself to weaknesses and limitations that we are submitted to. And thank you that he will come again. Thank you that the manger and the cross and the resurrection aren't the end of the story, but that we still have something to look forward to. And so help us look forward with hope and expectation and confidence and anticipation the way so many did looking forward to Christ's arrival. May we too look forward to Christ's second coming. Father, I pray that you would watch over us the rest of this night. As we finish our service, as we go our separate ways, help us keep our eyes fixed on the sky. Help us stay awake, stay alert, knowing that one day your son will return. And that is good news of great joy for all who believe in him. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy and your kindness in sending Christ once. And thank you that we can be confident that you will send him once again. We love you, we worship you, we ask this all in Christ's name. Amen.